0: Le'olam Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Passover isn't really over until we get to Shavuot. What connects the two feasts together is the counting of the Omer. It's a 50-day count, as it is written in Leviticus 23, 15 and 16. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So here is the blessing spoken for each day of the counting of the Omer. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Mitzvotah Visvanu al Ha HaOmer Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. Behold, I am ready and prepared to fulfill the mitzvah of counting the Omer, as it says in the Torah. You shall count from the eve of the second day of Pesach, When an Omer of Grain is to be brought as an offering, seven complete weeks. The day after the seventh week of your counting will make 50 days. Today is three weeks and one day, or the 22nd day of the Omer countdown from Passover to Shavuot. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue reading through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation. Today we begin a new Torah portion for the week. Emor, and it means say. Leviticus 21, 1 to 24. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the priests, the descendants of Aaron. A priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean by touching the dead body of a relative. The only exceptions are his closest relatives, his mother or father, son or daughter, brother or his virgin sister who depends on him because she has no husband. But a priest must not defile himself and make himself unclean for someone who is related to him only by marriage. The priest must not shave their heads or trim their beards or cut their bodies. They must be set apart as holy to their God and must never bring shame on the name of the Lord. They must be holy for they are the ones who present the special gifts to the Lord, gifts of food for their God. Priests may not marry a woman defiled by prostitution, and they may not marry a woman who is divorced from her husband. For the priests are set apart as holy to their God. You must treat them as holy because they offer up food to your God. You must consider them holy because I, the Lord, am holy, and I make you holy. If a priest's daughter defiles herself by becoming a prostitute, she also defiles her father's holiness and she must be burned to death. The high priest has the highest rank of all the priests. The anointing oil has been poured on his head, and he has been ordained to wear the priestly garments. He must never leave his hair uncombed or tear his clothing. He must not defile himself by going near a dead body. He may not make himself ceremonially unclean even for his father or mother. He must not defile the sanctuary of his God by leaving it to attend to a dead person, for he has been made holy by the anointing oil of his God. I am the Lord. The high priest may marry only a virgin. He may not marry a widow or a woman who is divorced or a woman who has defiled herself by prostitution. She must be a virgin from his own clan, so that he will not dishonor his descendants among his clan. For I am the Lord who makes him holy. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to Aaron. In all future generations, none of your descendants who has any defect will qualify to offer food to his God. No one who has a defect qualifies, whether he is blind, lame, disfigured, deformed, or has a broken foot or arm, or is hunchbacked or dwarfed, or has a defective eye, or skin sores, or scabs, or damaged testicles. No descendant of Aaron who has a defect may approach the altar to present special gifts to the Lord. Since he has a defect, he may not approach the altar to offer food to his God. However, he may eat from the food offered to God, including the holy offerings and the most holy offerings. Yet, because of his physical defect, he may not enter the room behind the inner curtain or approach the altar, for this would defile my holy places. I am the Lord who makes them holy. So Moses gave these instructions to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites. Judges seventeen one to eighteen thirty one There was a man named Micah, who lived in the hill country of Ephraim. One day he said to his mother, I heard you place a curse on the person who stole one thousand one hundred pieces of silver from you. Well, I have the money. I was the one who took it. The Lord bless you for admitting it, his mother replied. He returned the money to her and she said, I now dedicate these silver coins to the Lord. In honor of my son, I will have an image carved and an idol cast. So when he returned the money to his mother, She took 200 silver coins and gave them to a silversmith who made them into an image and an idol, and these were placed in Micah's house. Micah set up a shrine for the idol, and he made a sacred ephod and some household idols. Then he installed one of his sons as his personal priest. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes." One day, a young Levite who had been living in Bethlehem in Judah arrived in that area. He had left Bethlehem in search of another place to live, and as he traveled, he came to the hill country of Ephraim. He happened to stop at Micah's house as he was traveling through. Where are you from? Micah asked him. He replied, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am looking for a place to live. "'Stay here with me,' Micah said, "'and you can be a father and a priest to me. "'I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, "'plus a change of clothes and your food.' "'The Levite agreed to this, "'and the young man became like one of Micah's sons. "'So Micah installed the Levite as his personal priest, "'and he lived in Micah's house. "'I know the Lord will bless me now,' Micah said, "'because I have a Levite serving as my priest.' Now in those days Israel had no king, and the tribe of Dan was trying to find a place where they could settle, for they had not yet moved into the land assigned to them when the land was divided among the tribes of Israel. So the men of Dan chose from their clans five capable warriors from the towns of Zorah and Eshtael to scout out a land for them to settle in. When these warriors arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, they came to Micah's house and spent the night there. While at Micah's house, they recognized the young Levite's accent, so they went over and asked him, Who brought you here, and what are you doing in this place? Why are you here? He told them about his agreement with Micah, and that he had been hired as Micah's personal priest. And then they said to him, Ask God whether or not our journey will be successful. Go in peace, the priest replied, for the Lord is watching over your journey. So the five men went on to the town of Laish, where they noticed the people living carefree lives like the Sidonians. They were peaceful and secure. The people were also wealthy because their land was very fertile, and they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. When the men returned to Zorah and Eshtael, their relatives asked them, What did you find? The men replied, Come on, let's attack them. We have seen the land, and it is very good. What are you waiting for? Don't hesitate to go and take possession of it. When you get there, you will find the people living carefree lives. God has given us a spacious and fertile land, lacking in nothing. So 600 men from the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zorah and Eshtail. They camped at a place west of Kiriath-Jerim in Judah, which is called Mahana Dan to this day. Then they went on from there into the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. The five men who had scouted out the land around Laish explained to the others, These buildings contain a sacred ephod as well as some household idols, a carved image and a cast idol. What do you think you should do? Then the five men turned off the road and went over to Micah's house where the young Levite lived and greeted him kindly. As the six hundred armed warriors from the tribe of Dan stood at the entrance of the gate, the five scouts entered the shrine and removed the carved image, the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the caste idol. Meanwhile, the priest was standing at the gate with the six hundred armed warriors. When the priest saw the men carrying all the sacred objects out of Micah's shrine, he said, What are you doing? Be quiet and come with us, they said. Be a father and priest to all of us. Isn't it better to be a priest for an entire tribe and clan of Israel than for the household of just one man? The young priest was quite happy to go with them, so he took along the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the carved image. They turned and started on their way again, placing their children, livestock, and possessions in front of them. When the people from the tribe of Dan were quite a distance from Micah's house, The people who lived near Micah came chasing after them. They were shouting as they caught up with them. The men of Dan turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter? Why have you called these men together and chased after us like this? What do you mean, what's the matter? Micah replied. You've taken away all the gods I have made and my priests, and I have nothing left. The men of Dan said, Watch what you say. There are some short-tempered men around here who might get angry and kill you and your family. So the men of Dan continued on their way. When Micah saw that there were too many of them for him to attack, he turned around and went home. Then with Micah's idols and his priest, the men of Dan came to the town of Laish, whose people were peaceful and secure. They attacked with swords and burned the town to the ground. There was no one to rescue the people, for they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. This happened in the valley near Beth-Rehob. Then the people of the tribe of Dan rebuilt the town and lived there. They renamed the town Dan after their ancestor, Israel's son, but it had originally been called Laish. Then they set up the carved image, and they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. John 3, 1-21 There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Yeshua. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Yeshua replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Yeshua replied, I assure you, No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Yeshua replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the Son of Man has come down from the heavens. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Psalm 104, 1-23 Let all that I am praise the Lord. O Lord my God, how great you are! You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride upon the wings of the wind. Your winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You place the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothed the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas, so they would never again cover the earth. You make springs pour water into the ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted, There the birds made their nests, and the storks make their homes in the cypresses. High in the mountains live the wild goats, and the rocks form a refuge for the hyraxes. You made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to set. You send the darkness, and it becomes night, when all the forest animals prowl about. Then the young lions roar for their prey, stalking the food provided by God. At dawn they slink back into their dens to rest. Then people go off to their work where they labor until evening. Proverbs 14, 20-21 The poor are despised even by their neighbors while the rich have many friends. It is a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. I'd like to speak to you from our Haftor portion today, which is Judges chapter 17 and 18. And in these two chapters, we're following the story of Micah, and Micah is a man of idolatry. He has household idols. He hires a local priest who was passing through to come in and be his priest and to do sacrifices and to set up the ephod and that sort of thing. And then some men from Ephraim come through and they basically steal away his priest. And the priest takes away his household idols and follow the Ephraimites because they're offering to pay him more money. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go into Judges chapter 17 verse six and look at that. In those days, Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right In their own eyes. Beloved, this is the essence of the definition of humanism, secular humanism, that each person decides for themselves what's right and wrong. And it's a very politically correct point of view or perspective or mindset. That who are you to impose on me your beliefs? We have to be tolerant and inclusive and so if there is such a thing as absolute right and absolute wrong as we would suggest from following the bible that the ten commandments are absolutely right and um we appear to be inflexible um then we're considered intolerant so when you have people deciding for themselves what's right and wrong then you know, it's okay to do spirit cooking and take parts of human bodies or parts of, you know, something disgusting and put that in the spirit cooking and even promote it on corporate platforms that I won't mention and make a commercial about it and promote this kind of satanic uh, ritual. Oh, you know, if, if we protest about that, we're being intolerant. Well, this is what secular humanism leads to. It's a total moral decline of values. So let's go on now in Judges chapter 18. And in Judges chapter 18, verses 24 and 25, let's take a look there. Now, this is the part, this chapter is where the Ephraimites have come through town, and they're basically whisking the priest that Micah hired to be his priest, whisking him away. And remember, this is all based in idolatry and you know household gods that are not the God of Israel. So in verse 24 and 25, it says, what do you mean, what's the matter? Micah, let me give you the background. Micah is chasing after these men from Ephraim. And he's uh, he's chasing them down because his priest, along with his household idols, have left. And so Micah's upset about this, and he's chasing them down. So now let's read verses 24 and 25. Or let's start with 23. Verse 23. They were shouting as they caught up with them. The men of Dan turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter? Why have you called these men together and chased after us like this? What do you mean, what's the matter? Micah replied. You have taken away all the gods I have made and my priest, and I have nothing left. The men of Dan said, watch what you say. There are some short-tempered men around here who might get angry and kill you and your family. Now, I want to take those verses and overlay that with our current situation with coronavirus. And... Ultimately, God is sovereign, He's in control, and He has allowed this virus to affect the planet. And He has a purpose in it. Now, one could say and make the case that the deep state globalists and the Chinese, with their Wuhan lab, they're the ones who engineered this in the lab and then released it, perhaps on purpose. Time will tell whether they are able to prove that, but it looks kind of suspicious. You could put the blame on them. But ultimately, God is El Elyon. He is sovereign. He's the most high. And even if that is the case, he still allows things to happen and his purposes will prevail. So at that level of, of, of understanding, what is God accomplishing through this coronavirus? He's doing a correction. What kind of a correction? Well, he's taking down idols of the land and idols of the heart what idols of the land what idols of the heart the idols of the land where we tend to pursue way too much consumerism and materialism we spend way too much time shopping at the malls and spending our money and going to sports events sporting events and um, you know just being caught up in earthly worldly matters and spending very little to no time with spiritual matters, with spending time with the God of Israel and in his word. And so, you know, the bars are closed, the restaurants are closed, and people can't go to work. And so, in a sense, you could say that the idols of the land have been stolen, taken away. So what are we beginning to see? We're beginning to see social unrest. People are beginning to protest. They're beginning to push back against these draconian measures of sheltering in at home. Now, in China, um, I've heard of reports of people being welded into their apartments where the door is welded shut or boarded shut or chained up or locked up so they cannot get out. That's truly draconian and oppressive. And people can die inside their apartments because they can't get out to get food. So, of course, we we have lost liberty and freedom and people want to get back to work. This is true. Setting that aside, what else are people protesting? Well, they can't go out and party. They can't have parties. They can't go out and drink. They can't go to the bars or the restaurants or the movies. And perhaps God is saying, I'm taking away those idols of the land and idols of the heart because I want you to look for me and seek after me. And so in a sense, that situation is parallel to what we just read here of these men of Dan who came and stole Micah's household priest and the household idols and and now Micah is protesting and he wants them back. He wants them back. You've taken away all the gods I have made and my priest, and I have nothing left. And then the men of Dan say, watch what you say. There's some short-tempered men around here who might get angry and kill you and your family. So they threaten him. So that verse, short-tempered men who might get angry and kill you, that's kind of a, I think, connects to the social unrest that we might start seeing, that people might start bashing windows and looting and rioting and getting angry. And um, it, it, the social order begins to unravel because people want what they want. They want their alcohol. They want their marijuana. They want their abortions. They want their shopping malls. They want to go to the movies. They want these idols of the land back. And if they don't get them back, there could be some social unrest. So now let's jump into Judges chapter 18, verses 30 and 31. Well, let's start with verse 29. They renamed the town Dan after their ancestor Israel's son, but it had originally been called Laish. Then they set up the carved image And they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, as their priest. Now, this is the carved image that Micah originally made out of the silver that he had stolen from his mother. And then instead of her correcting him, she blessed him and said, oh, thank you for telling me that you stole the silver from me. Let's go ahead and make a silver idol out of the silver that you stole from me. So this carved image made of silver, they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, up in the north there is a kind of like a national park, a preserve called Dan. And you can go into the Dan Preserve, and you can actually see the foundation of an idol that this tribe used to worship. And it was a, a foundation to Baal worship. And at one point, they were thinking to rebuild all of this altar, but the the Jewish rabbis made a huge protest and said no That would defile the land. Do not rebuild it. So all that remains is simply the foundation or the base of it, and they did not finish it. But uh, Shiloh is also north of Jerusalem, and that was where David and the tabernacle rested with the ark for quite some time with 24 hours a day, seven days a week of worship and praise and prayer going up at Shiloh in the tabernacle, before he set up headquarters in the city of David or in Jerusalem and before there was ever a temple. Dan is further north of Shiloh. And Dan is of the northern tribe, of the ten tribes of the north. So they did not go down to Jerusalem for the three feasts, for Passover, for Shavuot, and for Sukkot. They changed the the times instead of the seventh month Of having Sukkot, they did Sukkot in the eighth month. And they also set up their own system of priests. Instead of using Levitical priests as prescribed by the Torah, they had their own, anybody could be a priest. So our ancestor, our biblical ancestors of the tribe of Dan were very idolatrous. And this is what got them kicked out of the land. This is referred to in that verse. Um, This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. What exile? The Assyrian exile. When the Assyrians came in, I believe, in 720 or 726, something like that, B.C., and they attacked the northern kingdom, took many, most of the people of the northern kingdom out of the the northern part of Israel And brought them to Assyria where they were captives. They were exiled. And then they settled their own people, Assyrians, into the northern kingdom. So that's our history. And biblical history is prophecy. And how much of that script, if you will, have we followed? A lot of it, I'm afraid. The... Problem with the northern kingdom, when you get into idolatry, it, it's called a mixed worship system that you worship God and you worship the other gods. You worship Baal, you worship the god of Israel, and you worship the gods of the land, the idols of the heart. That's what they were into. They would worship Yotivave, and they worshiped Baal. And they worshipped Molech. And they worshipped Ashtoreth. So how has that played out today? Well, we have the Sunday mainstream church, and they love Yeshua. And they worship Ishtar, Easter. And they worship Baal, Christmas. And so there's this mixed worship system. And God hates this mixture. He says in Revelation to one of the churches, I would rather you have you be hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. So Heavenly Father, we come before you humble and broken. We ask your forgiveness for the mixed worship system that we have fallen into. We ask your forgiveness and we repent for the idols of the heart That we have at times in our lives worshipped you, but we've also worshipped other gods. Materialism, consumerism, sports, Hollywood, entertainment, money, family. Abba, forgive us for making these idols of the heart. And we repent and we give you permission to pull them down and remove them. Please cleanse us, Abba. Cleanse us of these idols of the heart. And may we worship you and you alone. Father, if we are blind to any of these idols of the heart, if we are not aware, if we are blind, if we've been deceived, I'm asking, Abba, that you will shine your light and reveal and expose what those idols of the heart are we do not want household idols and they're not necessarily going to be literal but it's more an attitude of the heart so father please expose and reveal what those idols of the heart are and abba please we ask that you pull them down pull them down we walk away We want to worship you and you alone. You are the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the God of Israel. You are our Messiah, Yeshua. You are our soon-and-coming King. You are the great high priest. You are our refuge and our shelter and our high place. You are our bridegroom. You are our high tower. You are the name above all names. How we love you, Yeshua. Cleanse our hearts of all idolatry that we can come before you with clean hands and a pure heart. In Yeshua's name, Amen. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you.